Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Speaking about focusing on Jesus, we're in an Emmanuel series. And I'm very excited to be able to share with you today all the, all the things that God's laid on my heart. We talked about generosity and compassion last week as characteristics of God with us and who he is and the disciples who had a front row seat and the impact that Jesus had upon their lives today. We need to calculate that into our own experience. Amen. Because he is with us. Somebody say it. He's with us. And he is, in fact, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, the text that we're using in Matthew chapter number 1, verse 23, that, behold, a virgin shall have a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so that's where this series really comes from and we launch from. The idea is that when Emmanuel, or God, is with us, it creates a certain amount of expectation, If it's just religious stories that we rehearse week after week, then it really doesn't do that for us. But if, in fact, the story is true and he is still God with us, not just uh, omnipresent but manifest present, that when that is actually happening, there is something super cool about the expectation that happens in your heart because he is, Hebrews 13, 8, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if that, in fact, is true, then we have something that we can all really, really allow our hearts to sink into. And I believe that God wants to do that, Emmanuel. And today, Emmanuel is our healer. Amen. He is our healer. Say it. He's my healer. Amen. You can bet he is. You know the God that created your body put healing in your body? What's that say about the will of God? The fact that he created you, that if you cut yourself, you heal. If you break a bone, it heals. If you bust your head, it heals. Ask me how I know this. Yeah, so Matthew chapter number four, there's a pattern of Jesus' ministry that I want to focus on, three things that Jesus did, and and I want to talk about that. Everything that I'm going to talk about today has to do with Emmanuel and the ministry that he has to us, and we still need all three areas. This, This is what it says, Matthew chapter number four, that Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and disease among the people. How many of you like to hear, you would like to have heard Jesus preaching? Come on, T.D. Jakes is awesome, but I would have loved to have heard that message, amen? The preaching son of God. And then verse 24, it says, And the fame of him went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptic and paralytic, and he healed them. Hallelujah. And so the three things that Jesus did, again, are in this text, teaching, preaching, and healing. And those are the things that Jesus did, three major areas, teaching. First of all, he had to dismantle some traditional ideas that were in conflict with the actual word of God. But over the years of not only prophetic silence, 400 years of prophetic silence that Jesus was crashing into, that the things that had developed around the law, it wasn't what God said, but it was just traditions. And Jesus had to dismantle some of those things. As a matter of fact, he told them in Matthew chapter number 15, he said, you make the commandment of God of no effect because of your traditions. So certain things that you do, you ignore the commandment of God so you can keep the traditions of men. 
And so Jesus had to come crashing into that. He also gave law clarifications, and the heart of God was revealed through the Son of God. And so Jesus would teach them. The matter of fact, they said, never a man spoke like this man. And that was kind of the, the way that they de- depicted their experience in Jesus. And today, he's Emmanuel. So he does speak into our thing, but it may be things that you don't expect, because they didn't expect it either. And then secondly, he was a preacher, man alive. Opening up the world to insights about the kingdom of God is what Jesus would do. As a matter of fact, listen to how this text says it. In John chapter number 7, the Bible says that on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Come on, how many of you know he's preaching now? He cried out, and he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And boy, that's what we want. We want rivers of living water. And that's the day in which you and I are living in right now, where the, where the streams of God can flow out of the, out of the believer's heart. And, and let me just encourage you to examine the level of religious indifference that may be in your life, because it can creep up on you and not, not really know it. Or your expectations can be lowered. I can, I can tell you how you can determine that. On the dashboard of your life, and I want you to understand, I've experienced COVID and pneumonia and all kinds of different things. Believe in God through the entire mess. Amen. What else is there? Amen. Rebuke the devil and walk by faith. That's just a way of life. But I want, want you to understand that sometimes you have to be able to identify Whatever level of apathy or excuses not to obey the word of God, not just receive the benefits of the word, but actually obey God. Come on, how many of you know it's important for you to obey God? See, that the gospel shouldn't be treated like a smorgasbord, take what you want and leave the rest on the, on the bar. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> That's a hard thing to hear, though. But, but, but do we need to hear that, I guess, is the honest question that needs to be asked. Sure, we do. So that we can examine the level of the reality of Emmanuel in our lives or just the religious participation end of things. And, and religion doesn't produce anything. And so I want fruitfulness in our lives. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. Abiding in the vine means something for us. And so what's it mean? That means you're able to identify the enemies of the ideas that would really uh, bar us from obedience and blessing and faith. And on the dashboard of your life, if you've got fear or some other thing that you know didn't get produced because of a close connection to Emmanuel, it's something for us all to examine and start rebuking and start pressing into the things of God. And so he went preaching, teaching, and healing. That the world today is filled with all kinds of devastation. It's not just devastation because of coronavirus, which, by the way, I resent the idea of calling it coronavirus. You know what coronavirus means? King's, king virus. Well, I rebuke that. I've got one king, and it's not a virus. Amen. Although he is contagious. But I resent the fact that anybody called it a king virus. Because we have one king, and his name is Jesus. But the world is filled with devastation, and apparently the curse is like everywhere. Yet the Bible says that Jesus was made a curse for us to lift it off of us. And so thank God for what Jesus has done. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. And so people have no answers today. They're living in confusion and fear. Those are things that will show up on the dashboard of your life. And whatever they're hoping in, they're just hanging on to the whatever hope that they have. But I'm here to announce, 
and just declare over the Miami Valley that Jesus is our healer. And we're going, to be, we're going to be praying before we end our service today. We're going to be praying over the Miami Valley and every single one of us that are watching right now. We're just going to declare health and healing in Jesus' name because he's still Jehovah Rapha. He's still our healer. All the covenant names, just in case you didn't know, throughout the Old Testament, God revealed himself as I am. I am, which is the word Yahweh or Jehovah. And that's the words that we that we use associated throughout the Old Testament. And then God would add other names that would identify him as the I am, whether it's righteousness or sanctification. He's our shalom. He's our peace. He is, he is uh, Jehovah Shammah. You know what that means? Emmanuel. He's here. He's in our midst. And it's what one of his covenant names really is. But he's, he's with us. He is Jehovah uh, Jireh. He is the Lord, our provider. Amen. Revealed when Abraham needed to sacrifice and God put a ram in the thicket. He is Jehovah Jireh. So many different things. He's our shepherd. He's Jehovah Rohi. He is the Lord our shepherd. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. There you go. Psalms 23. And so he's revealed himself so many different ways. But Jehovah Rapha is the Lord our healer or the Lord is healing is what that literally means. And today, Jesus is the vivid picture of the kingdom of God. He is the untwisted version of what God is like. If you want perfect theology, look to Jesus. He's the perfect reflection of the will and the heart of God. And so that sacrificial giving, redeeming sort of an idea, that's who God is. And so Jesus reveals that in him. And and so he comes to restore what the curse brought on us, Jesus came to get rid of. But Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar, and he distorts uh, the, the, the things about God so that the world lives in a twisted idea. We blame God for things that, that the devil does, and, and we blame the devil for things that are, well, I don't know if we do that or not, but anyway, we get it all messed up. It's distorted. And so with the distortion, I want you to understand Satan twists the narrative to an anti-God scenario so that the world resents God instead of worships him. But thank God, Psalms 107 verse number 20 says that he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And that's that's what God does. He sends his word and it brings healing. He doesn't send his word to bring a curse. We had the curse before the word showed up. And so it's important for us to, to get that Jesus is who he says he is. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if, you'll know the, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. It won't bring you into bondage. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, John chapter number 1, verse number 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, listen, full of grace and full of truth. The truth he brings is then graciously distributed. Because God doesn't bless us because we deserve it. God blesses us because we love us, period. He loves us. And that's important for us to get because I can tell you, I hadn't always been nice. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You do too. Amen. It's true about every single one of us. We hadn't always been pleasant. Are you with me? But today you're blessable because God loves you. And he demonstrated that love through sending his own son And so today, teaching and preaching do something. They release vital revelation. Preaching and teaching and the declarations of the word help us to begin to attach our soul to what we already know in our heart, and that is God is good. 
and that he's got a great plan for your life, and that it doesn't include dying in a hospital of coronavirus, or of anything else for that matter. With long life, he says, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. So do we get attacked? Yep. Is it a matter of faith when, when, when we get attacked with corona or whatever else is attacking our life? Everything is a matter of faith. Everything deals with something that God's word addresses. And activating that word and standing upon the promises of God, rebuking the devil, and every form of the curse is the lifestyle of a believer. Jesus made a lifestyle out of it, and Emmanuel showed it to us. He'd bump into the devil, and the conversation wasn't long. How many of you know when Jesus bumped into the devil, the conversation was, come out, and that was all it was. Whoop, out, out he comes. You with me? demonstrations of authority and the love of God to set the captives free. Jesus just wasn't just, it wasn't just about a vendetta with the devil. Certainly there is that, but, but the idea is that Jesus came to set the captives free. And with one rebuke from his mouth, out they come. And now the Bible says, because now we go in his name, now when you say it, they go out. Amen? Amen. The Bible says in the Great Commission, you'll cast out devils. Get good at it, because there's lots of them. Amen. And so revelation is released through the preaching and the teaching of God's word. Once you know what Jesus came to do and to establish, then it's a matter of doing the word of God. Now, I didn't put this in my notes, but I want you to just remember this. Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He ended the Sermon on the Mount with this uh, caveat, and that if you don't do it right, none of it works. The storms of life will blow your house down. He said this. He said, he that hears these sayings of mine and does them. And so all of a sudden now we've got a, a doing of what he said. He said, is like a wise man that built his house upon a rock and the winds come and the storm blows and beats upon that house. Which is to say, doesn't matter if you went to church or not, you're still going to have trouble. Hello? And so understand today that, that trouble comes in life. But if you're a doer of the word, God says that you build your house on a firm foundation and on the rock. And because of that, your house stands after the storm's gone. But he that hears these things of mine and does not do them, doesn't put it into practice. And by the way, that is the, that is the um, power station of faith in God is being able to do actually what he said. Not just believe to receive, but actually do what he said. Now, everybody needs to be dedicated to that part because otherwise you build your house upon the sand and the storm comes and wind blows. In other words, on the same planet, no matter where you build your house, the storm's coming. But he says, if you build your house on the sand because you heard it but didn't put it into practice, that the house will fall and how great is the fall of it. And so it's important for us to get the idea that when the revelation of God's word comes through Jesus preaching in the synagogue or teaching in the synagogue or preaching the gospel of the kingdom, that when that message comes, we need to apply that, what he's saying, as best we can. Come on, and sometimes it's not easy to, to do everything. For instance, God says, if somebody hits you on one cheek, whack, give them also the other. Hit me once, shame on you. Hit me twice, shame on me. Hello, that's the way we want to understand the whole thing. Are you with me? Yeah, come on. How many times shall I forgive? Seven times? Yeah, like Peter ever did that. Seven times was a real stress for that boy. 
Jesus said, no, 70 times 7. In other words, just get over it now before it ever happens. And decide to go ahead and get over it. And it's important for us to be able to do the word of God. Otherwise, we just kick the can down the road and stay cursed. And so it's important for us today, if we want to survive the storm after it's gone and be there flourishing in the kingdom of God, it's important to do the word of God. And then, and then again, so we're talking about preaching and teaching the vital revelation of Jesus, being able to do the word of God, that when the word of God comes to us, it brings clarity that the world has not seen since the door of divine fellowship has been slammed shut by the fall and the curse. When Adam fell, boom, the door shut to the kingdom. And every malady known to humanity came out of the event. But today, thank God, Jesus taught the kingdom of God with authority. And when he preached the word, I'm telling you, it, it landed powerfully. Matter of fact, the people said that he doesn't teach like the scribes and the Pharisees. He teaches like one who has authority. He's not just passing along story. He acts like all of them are true. And he teaches with authority. And so Jesus is our healer, and he, and, he, and he healed in three different areas, at least three. There's actually more than this, but I want to give you three this morning, and then I want to pray for you. And those of you online who are experiencing difficulty or symptoms or whatever it is you're experiencing right now, I'm going to believe God for the power of God to hit your living room. But physically, he healed us physically. The Bible says, by his stripes, we were healed. Now, it's important for us to realize that he exemplified that. He became a living marquee for God's will in the earth because Jesus is perfect theology. So if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. That's what he said. This is, I'm, I am the living intentions of the Father in the earth. And so physically, he healed us. If sickness and disease is a real visible manifestation of the curse on the planet, a very visible or tangible sort of a thing. And so Jesus made it absolutely clear in John chapter number 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's the devil, the thief. God's not a thief. I'll wait till your amens get better. God's not a thief. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if it fits in one of those categories, easily identified as where it comes from. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And let me just say this now clearly, the enemy, the devil, is a spiritual being, but he's not God's equal. He's not even as cool as you. Amen. You got the life of God in you. You got rivers of living water that will flow out of you. He doesn't have any life. All he's got is death and lives. And he's defeated. He doesn't even have the keys to his own office. Jesus, in the book of Revelation, said, I have the keys of death and of hell. Amen. So he can't even get into his own office. He's shut out. But he's always looking. He's always knocking at the door trying to find somebody that will agree with the lies that he's peddling and through that given authority into your life because of either lack of knowledge or unbelief. And so it's important for us to realize today that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. See, don't blame God for, for, for the things that the devil does. Matter of fact, Acts chapter number 10, verse number 38, Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house, and God is about ready to pour his spirit out on the whole Gentile world. While Peter is preaching, and the Holy Spirit interrupts it by filling them all with the spirit, but he says this, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good 
Okay, now, is anybody need for me to find good? Good's fairly self-explanatory at this stage of our lives. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God's with him. So where's oppression come from? Thank you. You're slow, but you're worth waiting for. I said, where's, where's oppression come from? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, but where's blessing come from? Where's good come from? God? Good. Devil? Okay, good. I know this is deep, but it's fun. It's good to bring clarity. Hallelujah. Oppression comes from the devil. So, so look at what God does. He, he ventures in. He sets captives free. He spirit, soul, and body, and he heals people. Luke chapter number six, one of my favorite passages, says that as Jesus was really preaching to a whole multitude of people, he, they came to hear him and be healed. They came to what? And. Hear and. They came to, why? Because revelation is what unlocks the door to the possibilities of what God wants to do in your life. It makes a powerful difference. I'll give you an example. For instance, in, in uh, Matthew chapter number 8, there's a centurion. And the centurion, he's got a servant that's sick, and he comes to Jesus. And he's a Roman centurion. He's not a Jew. He's, he's, he's not any of the pedigrees that you're supposed to have to get answered prayer. But Jesus says to him, I will come and I'll heal your servant. And this is what he says, I'm not worthy that you would come even into my house. Now, there's reasons for that. I'll, I'll go into it some other time. But he said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority. Now, if you want to really understand faith, you've got to understand authority. You've got to know that his name is above every name. There'll never be a name like his. He is exalted Yahshua Hamashiach means something. And it rattles hell. And it causes the blessing of God to flow like rivers of living water cascading out of heaven. But what we need to get in this passage is that everything that Jesus did, he did for you. And I just say, I qualify by grace and I receive in Jesus' name. Say it, I qualify by grace. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Listen, if you're watching me from a hospital bed right now, you qualify by grace and receive now in the name of Jesus. They came to hear and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were healed. And so if it, some disease is just disease, but some affliction comes because it's initiated by a demon spirit. Out it goes. And so, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, listen, because power went out of him and healed them all. Man, I love that. Do you remember Matthew 17 when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and the Bible says suddenly they saw the glory of God on the inside concealed in his skin and suddenly, boom, he lights up like a light bulb. Peter says, it's good that we're here. How many of you know that was just brilliant? That's a brilliant deduction, wasn't it? It's good that we're here. And then he came up with a solution. Let's build three tabernacles, one for Elijah, one for you, one for Moses. And God has to interrupt that whole stupid process by saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him and do what he says. And so suddenly, the, so the, the power of God goes out of him, but even when you can't see him lighten up like a light bulb, the power's still there. 
Second thing, observation I want to make about him is that healing and forgiveness come on the same day from the same blood of the same Savior, and that you're just as qualified for healing as you are for salvation and forgiveness. Healing and forgiveness walk hand in hand. I'll give you a couple of texts. I could give you dozens. But Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and pick a benefit. Is that what it says? What's it say? It doesn't say pick a benefit. It says don't forget any of them. Are you with me? Don't forget any of them. And the first two things he mentions in verse number three, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. And both of them he said all. And so he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget what he's done. And don't forget the benefits of being in the kingdom of God, being associated with Jesus being in the family of God. Don't underestimate the power of family if you're in the family of God. Hallelujah. And then 1 Peter 2.24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That's the cross or salvation. And so on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. And so what is that? Forgiveness of sin and salvation. By whose stripes you were healed. Same verse, same blood, same Savior, same day. What saved you, healed you. And don't change the rules. Faith in God's what makes all that happen. So what do you do? You stand on the word. Ephesians chapter number 6 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, that is up to you. That's not up to God. That's up to us. That's the reason why we're preaching this. Once the Emmanuel revelation drops in on us that God's doing life with us, suddenly my expectation change changes from... God who's distant and hard to reach to a God who's present and easy to reach. And he's doing what he always does because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi said, I am the Lord your God and I change not. And so Emmanuel acts the same way he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that's where expectations have to come from. Or you can do the religious version where God's hard to get to and covenant's impossible and you never know what God's going to do. You have to kind of say it that way to kind of make it religious. And I bug religious people, and I do it on purpose. Because you're in the way. Unbelief bothers God, and it bothers anybody who wants an answer from heaven. That's an amen right there. That's a big old 10-4, buddy. Good buddy. Amen. And so I, I, have, I have this ministry. It's a call from God. As I comfort the afflicted, I afflict the comfortable. <laughs> That's my call. It's awesome. Good to be called. So he heals physically. Secondly, he heals spiritually. He saves us. You all remember a little guy named Zacchaeus? Luke Chet, wee little man was he. Climbed up in that sycamore tree to see what he could see. That's a song from Sunday school. For those of you who aren't used to church, but he was lost. He was a tax collector, a cheat, a swindler, and nobody liked him. And he's little, so he, he may have heard Jesus preach, but he'd never seen him. She, he want to go up the tree and see him and so forth. And all of a sudden, Jesus spots him in that tree and says, come down from there. I'm going to go to your house today and have lunch with you. He invites himself to lunch. And he's just thrilled to pieces. And he repents. And the Bible says that Jesus said this. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Do you know what that statement came from? He said it to Zacchaeus. That's who he said it to, a cheat, a swindler. Why? 
Because Emmanuel came to heal you spiritually. He's our healer. He's come to save us. He came to save the worst of us, the best of us, and everywhere in between. That that's what God does. He also saves those who are religiously trapped, who are caught in religious patterns but don't really know him. That may be you today. It may be some of you watching online today. You've got religious history, but you don't have a working, walking relationship with Emmanuel. And today, the invitation is you're as close as the mention of his name to a brand new life and a brand new start. There was a, a, a scribe, the Bible describes him as a scribe, Mark chapter number 12, and the Bible says that he asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Now, this is a guy as a scribe who actually writes the scripture. There's no printing press back then, so he's actually one who actually writes the scripture, the law, the Torah. And so he's a scribe. And so Jesus' response to him was that the Lord God is one, and that the greatest commandment is you'll love the Lord God with, with your your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and the second's like the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. In this is all the law fulfilled. And the scribe erupts in this beautiful celebration. He said, that's it. It's the best answer. It's better than religious activity like sacrifice and offerings. And you know what Jesus told him? He said, you, sir, are this close to the kingdom of God. He said to the man, you have come this close to the kingdom of God. That's what that kind of open-hearted celebration does. And I'll mention that again here in just a moment. But oppression that comes from the devil, Jesus is the one that heals us from all those oppressions. And I want you to acknowledge today that the enemy comes to try to bum you out, discourage you. Come on, how many of you know the devil is an equal opportunity afflictor? And that he afflicts people that where the door is open, he'll walk through and cause all kinds of chaos and trouble. And then we try to medicate it and just make it worse. That's because it's all the oppression of the devil. And so God says to the devil, he says, shut up and come out. Come on, how many of you know the shut up and come out version of the kingdom of God is a really good way to deal with the devil? Amen? Listen to the word of God, but tell the devil, shut up and come out. Amen. Thirdly, mentally, Jesus came to restore us. He came to save us. He is Emmanuel, the one who restores peace to our soul. And this is going to mean something to you, but when Jesus said an invitation like, I want you close to me, it's a big deal. God says all kinds of different things. Emmanuel, God made flesh and dwelt among us. There's a reason why he came, and it's to be close to us and redeem us. There's a reason why Jesus said in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. He said, I want you close to me, and I've built a house right next to me so you can be close forever. Amen. That's a good thing. And so something about God being close to us says something to us about what he really is like. He likes me. Say it. Come on, those of you online, say it out loud. He likes me. He wants to be close to me. Oh, I'm going to crawl. I'm going to try to get to God. Wait a minute. Don't you remember? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He came for you. Hebrews chapter number 12 says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? It's you. You're it. You're the reason for the joy. Because God not only resurrects himself, but he wants to resurrect you. 
And so he makes this invitation, this beautiful invitation in Matthew chapter number 11. And this is what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and there you will find rest for your soul. He came to heal you in your mind, to put peace in your, in your mind. If your dashboard's reading fear or anxiety or confusion, there's something wrong under the hood, friend. Read the dashboard and make the adjustments. If the light's flashing in your life filled with fear and anxiety and all of your decisions are being made out of that, I just want you to know today, Emmanuel is with us. And so here's what we do. I've got two responses to this. And it's important to get it. First of all, speak and agree with what God said about you through his word. Speak and agree with what God has said about you in the word of God. If you don't know what those are, I will give you a whole list of things. You just come and ask me. And I will give you a list of scriptures that will apply to your circumstance. Matter of fact, better yet, get a promise Bible that categorically deals with our stuff and just begin to digest those scriptures and start declaring them into your own life. Receive and agree with the word of God. Listen, this is, a, this is the Passion Translation. Let me share this with you real quick. Passion Translation of Proverbs 16, 24. And listen to how this says this. It says, nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful, life-giving words. For they release sweetness to the soul and inner healing to your spirit. How many of you could use some sweetness in your soul and healing in your spirit? Man. And so that's what life-giving words do, and it's the Word of God coming off of your lips that brings healing into your own soul. That's number one. Secondly, speak the Word of God, number one. And secondly, and this is maybe for, for some folks that are maybe not quite as expressive in worship as maybe God would have you to be, and there's a reason why. But number two is worship God with a joyful heart. Now, what does that mean? That means stoic doesn't do you any good. God will receive praise however sincere you mean it. So it's not a, it's not a litmus test of how spiritual you are as to whether or not you'll do cartwheels for Jesus. Are you with me? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is there comes a point in time in your own experience with God that there needs to be a joyful celebration of who he is more than your team winning a bowl game. And if by comparison you get more excited about that than you do about the Son of God rising from the dead and changing the direction of your whole eternity, there's something wrong with you. But we've been trained kind of to dumb it down, and I'm telling you right now, the devil is the author of that idea. Why? Because something happens when you open your heart to a celebration back to the one that saved you. And let me just say it, there's a reason why the Word of God actually describes what worship looks like. So that you don't try to come up with your own definition, but you do need to experience your own experience. David, the Bible says, danced before the Ark of the Covenant just because it was coming back to where it was supposed to be all along. In Jerusalem, in the tabernacle of David. And the Bible says, for 30 miles... He, he gave sacrifices to the Lord and danced until he got so sweaty he had to take his clothes off. Uh, not all of them. <laughs> Streaking for Jesus. <laughs> okay, and didn't do that. <laughs> okay. But it's interesting because his wife, Michael, Saul, King Saul's daughter, 
said, my, hasn't the king acted foolishly today? And Jesus, or David said, you haven't seen nothing yet, babe. I'm going to act more foolish yet. And this is what the word of God said about Michael, that she was barren her whole life. No fruitfulness in her life. But David was magnificently fruitful. Why? Because he celebrated the life-giving son of God. Proverbs chapter 20, 17, 22. Proverbs 17, 22. A, a joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to the body and to the soul. That's what it does. In celebration of God. It's not just laughing about stuff, although that's good. It's the ability to rejoice in the redemptive privilege that you have in God. Celebrating the grace of God in your life. And so today... That's what Emmanuel does. He is our healer. Can you give me a good amen? Amen. amen? amen. I want to pray for you. Some of you need healing in, the, in your body. You need healing in your spirit. You need healing in your mind. And I want you to know in this time filled with anxiety, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bow your heads with me, all of you, and all of us watching online right now. And I want to invite you today into this distinction between the religious version and the relational embrace of Emmanuel. And today it's, it's what I'm trying to shape this around. There's so much tradition around Christmas time that you can get lost in the tradition and never make a personal connection with a God who's very much alive and very much in love with you. And that would save you if you'll just call upon his name. Would deliver you and all the healing, not only healing to your spirit through forgiveness and salvation, but also healing in your body and healing in your mind and healing in your relationships and all the things that we so desperately need. And he'll do that. He'll do it for anyone who'll call upon his name. And in a moment, we're going to do that together. And so let the Holy Spirit speak. Listen to what he's saying on the inside. And today, let God speak clearly and profoundly in your life and in your heart. If you're in the room today and you say, Pastor Pat, I needed that connection with God. I need more than what I've had before. And I want to walk in a living faith that's powerful. I want to experience Emmanuel in his healing nature. And I want it to erupt in me and change whatever needs to be changed so that I can walk in a dynamic of faith that's real. And that rescues me in Jesus' name. In just a moment, we're going to pray a real simple prayer. And if you're in the room today or you're watching online, you say, Pastor Pat, don't leave me out of that prayer right now. If that's you right now, just punch that button on your screen that you're watching on. And it says just to raise the hand button. Pastor Pat, don't leave me out. I need, I need God in my life. Or if you're in the room, just lift your hand wherever you are. Pastor, don't leave me out of that prayer. I need God in my life. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. All over the... Yeah, I see you back there. God bless you. Thank you. God is good. He's a redeemer. He loves you. He loves you. Let me say it again to you online. He loves you. And he wants to do some magnificent things in your life. And by the way, even if God's not activated in your life, doesn't mean the devil won't be. And he steals, kills, and destroys. And so today we have a choice to worship God and to live and not only to agree with what he said to us in the word of God, but to celebrate it right out loud without shame. And man, watch the word of God flourish in your life. I want you to pray this prayer with me, all of you that raise your hand, but all of us together and those of you online hitting that raise the hand button right now, I want you to pray this prayer right out loud wherever you are. It doesn't have to be mega loud, just needs to be loud enough for you just to get it out of your soul. 
Pray this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, I come in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you saved me, that you bled and died so that I could be saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you rose from the dead. I ask you to come and live in my life. Today, be my Savior. Be the Lord of who I am. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I repent for my sins. Thank you that you're the Lord of who I am. Come on, say it. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, celebrate. Somebody in the house. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.